Oh, hello and welcome. My name is Coach Yo, and welcome to my cycle class. I hope you're ready to roll. Oh my goodness. I wonder how this is gonna go. I ran track, but like, I don't know, this is... Oh, here we go. Hey everybody, welcome. Let's get ready to cycle. I just ordered a pizza, so let's wrap this up in 30 minutes or less. Here we go. I know what you're thinking. You're thinking you wanna quit. Well, I'm here to tell you today is not that day. Instead of slowing down, we're gonna pick it up. Let's go. Come on, doing the best I can. <sighs> oh, I'm trying my best. I got these obstacles in my way. I'm trying to run them over. I just don't feel like I can make it. Are you even listening to me? Oh, my Amazon package arrived. Sick. Come on, everybody, two minutes till pizza. Keep it moving, keep it moving. Pedal for that pepperoni, baby. Pedal for that pepperoni. It's time for the final push. I know those legs are tired, but here we go. Pushing it to the end in three, two, one. Well done, young guns. You made it through class, but I'm here to let you know. I want to see you back next week. Well, welcome back to our series. We are in week three of our series, Bust Your Butt. And this series is all about the excuses that we give to God. They're the things that where God has told us what to do and how to live, and we're like, but I don't know, God, if that's what I want to be doing. Or I don't know, God, if that's the right time for me. I don't know, God, if that's what you're calling me to do. And those things that we have in our life are these buts that keep us from doing what God's called us to do, and they keep us from experiencing all that God has for us in our lives. And today, we're going to talk about a but that has been a huge one in my life. It's one that is just constantly in my way, and it's less of an excuse that I have, and it's more of a distraction that just keeps me from experiencing all that God has for me in my life. And it's a but that Jesus himself spoke about and is going to bust in our lives. And so we're going to look at a story today that's found in Luke chapter 12. If you have a Bible, I want to encourage you to turn it on or turn it open to Luke chapter 12. As you are navigating there, let me set the stage for us. Jesus is teaching to a crowd of people. There are thousands of people that have gathered around to hear the words of Jesus. And this was in the days before amplification. So they're all like stepping on each other, trying to get as close as they possibly could to catch every word that Jesus is teaching. And he's telling them about the ways of God. He's telling them about how to handle themselves if they're ever persecuted for their faith and how to identify false teachers in their midst. And in the midst of this great teaching, a guy steps out of the crowd and asks Jesus a question that is totally off topic. All right, here it is, Luke chapter 12, verse 13. Someone in the crowd said to him, teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. And you look at that and you're like, what? Like, what does that have to do with anything that Jesus has been teaching? It's almost as if this guy was like, hey, Jesus, yeah, yeah, great teaching. That, that's fine. But I've got a problem that I need you to solve. And you think to yourself, not only is this question like a little too personal and really off topic, but why bring this to Jesus? What's going on here? And here's just a little bit of background on what may have been happening. Uh, men that lived in this society, the expectation was that they and, and anybody that was in their household would live on their father's farm, on their father's property, and that they would work that farm until their dad died. And then when their father died, that's when the land would be divided up among the sons for the inheritance. 
And oftentimes the oldest son would receive a double portion of the inheritance. Now we don't know the story here, we don't know the background, but for whatever reason, however that division of land had happened in this family, this guy wanted more. And so he comes to Jesus and says, Jesus, I have a problem, I need you to come and solve it. And I look at this guy's story and I think to myself, I see myself in that story. And not about the inheritance, but about the fact that oftentimes in my life, God will be trying to show me something, God will be trying to teach me something. And in the midst of it, I'm like, yeah, yeah, God, whatever. But like, look, I've got this other thing that I need you to help me with. Or like, yeah, yeah, God, that's fine. That, you know, great insight. But I've got my own plans and I need you to help me execute my plans, God. See, see I am a planner. I love to plan. I, I love to set goals and objectives. I love to see those things accomplished. And whenever I have a plan that I'm not able to move forward on, it, it honestly creates within me a, a little bit of anxiety, actually a lot of anxiety. And so often in life, I have found that the anxiety that I experience around my plans will often drive my agenda with God. Right? Every, every conversation I have with God tends to be about, you know, hey God, will, will you help with these plans? Or, you know, can you see this through? Or, you know, help us make our budget, help us accomplish our goal, help us recruit more volunteers, help us hire the right staff here at church, help me with this thing that I'm doing in my personal life. And God, of course, wants us to bring our concerns to him. There's nothing wrong with that. But rather than me bringing my concerns to God and then leaving them with him, I just take them back. And, and I like press God and it all becomes around my plans and God help me with this thing. And, and here's what I found, and this is kind of the big idea for today. It's this, it's that our plans will distract us from God's plans. That God's trying to do something in and, our, and around our lives. And so often we are so distracted, or at least I am so distracted by my own plans that I miss out on what God is trying to do in my life. And that's what's going on in this story with this guy. So how's Jesus going to respond to him? Well, here it is in verse 14. Jesus replied, man, who appointed me a judge or an arbiter between you? Then he said, watch out. Be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. Gosh, Jesus just like has a way of getting right to the heart of the issue. See, he, he sees through this man's request and he realizes this man's not actually concerned about an inequitable distribution of the land. This guy, he's got his own plans and his plans are all about his good. That's why Jesus says it's about greed. So in this culture, when you owned land, that meant you were somebody. You had status. If you owned land, you had access to wealth, you had access to influence, you were somebody in the community. This man, his primary concern is he had some plans of his own for how to make a name for himself. And he wanted Jesus to bless those plans. It was all about him. Jesus saw through it and called him out on it. And Jesus oftentimes sees through our plans and needs to call us out on our plans. And oftentimes, you know, we, we'll see this, this word greed that Jesus used and we think, oh, well, that's just about money. No, Jesus says, watch out against all kinds of greed. Because here's just what's true, folks. Oftentimes, our plans are all about us trying to get more for us out of life. And we have to watch out. And about the moment, I want to argue with Jesus and say, no, no, Jesus, that's not my problem. Jesus then tells us this story. Here it is, verse 16. And then he told him this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. 
And he thought to himself, what shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, this is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I'll say to myself, you have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. Okay, initial reactions. This guy's plan, it seems pretty reasonable to me. Right? In fact, I see myself in doing a lot of the things that this guy's trying to do. I mean, he'd been working hard his entire life. He's got this great harvest that happened to him. And he's like, hey, here's my moment. I'm going to store all this up. Now I can relax. I can retire. I can kind of take life easy for, for the rest of my days. And I look at that and I go, yeah, I, I kind of do some similar things. Or I approach planning in a similar way. And in fact, this way this guy plans is often reflective of my own plans. Let me show you what I mean by this. See, here's how my plans are all structured. My plans are all about seeking autonomy in life. Well, what I mean by that is, is we're trying to, uh, to, to not be dependent on other people. And oftentimes when, when we look to planning, we try to plan for ways where we can be more independent. That's what this guy's all about. He's saying, I don't want to be dependent on another harvest. This is my moment. Now I can store everything up and I'm, I'm not dependent on anybody moving forward. And so often, I think in, in life, maybe even for those of us that live in America, we're kind of given to that in the American dream. It's that idea of living free and independent and not, not being dependent on anything or anyone else. In fact, when I was growing up, I looked forward to milestone birthdays that were increased levels of autonomy in my life, right? I looked forward to when I was 16, because then I could drive myself. I looked forward to when I was 18, because now I could vote. I looked forward to when I was 25, because now I could rent a car. I looked forward to when I was 35, because I finally grew into my haircut. All right, we, we, we looked for these increasing levels of autonomy. Maybe in your professional career, it's the same way. You want more authority in the organization so you can be more autonomous, and you have plans to do that. So you can set your own budget, set your own goals, set your own schedule. And oftentimes, what we fear about getting older is the loss of autonomy. Right? Many of you are worried about getting older and losing your ability to drive yourself or losing your ability to live in your own home. Right? All of our plans tend to be about us trying to increase our levels of autonomy. The second thing we see in our plans is my plans, they're temporal. Right? This guy, his, his plan was all about, hey, we're going to save up grain for the next several years. And often our plans, they're about the here and the now. Right? I mean, even the idea of planning for several years, those of you who are planners, those of you that maybe you have a five or a 10 or maybe even a 15-year plan, in the whole scope of your life, in the whole scope of humanity, that is such a small amount of time. See, we tend to focus on what are our plans and our goals for the next week, for the next month. Some, some of us are, are, are obsessed about the next quarter's earnings, or maybe you're debating about whether or not you, you should have a six-month apartment lease. I mean, all these, this intense planning tends to be around things that are really in the here and the now. I think that's one of the reasons that COVID has been such a disruption for us. It disrupted all of our immediate plans and it revealed to us, we actually don't plan that far in advance. And so when it felt like all the plans got shut down, we felt like everything got shut down because our focus is so much on what is temporal. And finally, let's just be honest about this. Our plans, they focus on me. I mean, that's what this guy's doing. He's saying, I'm thinking about how I can eat, drink, and be merry. It's all about me. And when I set plans, I, come on, they're about me, they're about my family, they're about my organization, they're about what I'm gonna accomplish. My planning tends to be about me. How about you? 
Okay, so what does Jesus say to this man or about this man in this story? We pick it up in verse 20. But God said to him, you fool. You fool. He said, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves but is not rich toward God. And see, that was the guy's issue. It wasn't, the problem wasn't with his planning. The problem was the focus of his planning. The focus of his planning was all about him. He never stopped to consider, what about the purposes of God? In other words, he failed to live out Proverbs 19, 21, which tells us this, many are the plans in a person's heart, but it is the Lord's purpose that prevails. See, God's purpose, God's plans, those things are gonna happen anyway, and we need to recognize that and honor that. That's why James, the half-brother of Jesus, says this in James 4. He says, now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow, we'll go to this or that city, spend a year there, carry on our business, and make money. Why, you don't even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it's the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. And James says it's evil because it's the focus is on me and thinking that I have control and, and that removes the control from God. Instead, James says the right way to do this is to think if it's the Lord's will. And the first time I heard that phrase, if it's the Lord's will, actually wasn't from this passage in James. It was actually from a conversation I had with my grandfather. Uh, Grandpa Leroy lived in a farm, on a farm in Kansas. And every summer we would go and visit him. So when I was like 10 or 11, we were visiting him uh, for a, a week down in the summer. And he needed to take a trip to a town that was uh, three or four hours away. And he invited me to come with him on this road trip. And so I watched as my grandfather meticulously planned for this trip. He, he, he put all the supplies together. He had the map out about where we were going and how we we're going to get there. He made sure that I had all the things that I needed. He made sure I had a Coke for the trip. And we pile into the cab of the pickup. And right before he turned the keys to start the car, he turned to me and he said this. He said, well, Kyle, in about three hours, we should be at our destination if the good Lord wills it. And that's, that phrase just stuck with me. In fact, it caused me to question the reliability of his car. I was like, well, what's going on with your truck, Grandpa, that we're not sure if we're going to make it? But see, he was saying, listen, all that planning, it's a good thing to do. But ultimately, it only matters if, if it's what God wills. And that open-handedness is what Jesus is trying to get us to do with our own plans. See, Jesus wants us to understand that God has plans, and those plans that God has they're actually different and in contrast to our own planning. Here's what Jesus says. Let's, let's go on in the, in the passage. Verse 22, then Jesus says to his disciples, therefore I tell you, so because of all this I tell you, do not worry. Jesus is telling you, don't worry. Do not worry about your life, what you'll eat, or about your body, what you'll wear. For life is more than food and the body is more than clothes. Some of you just need to hear that today. Life is, is more than the body, and life is more than clothes. And then Jesus gives us this example from nature. He says, consider the ravens. They don't sow or reap. They have no storeroom or barn. Yet God feeds them, and how much more valuable you are than birds. Who of you, by worrying, can add a single hour to your life? Since you cannot do this very little thing, why do you worry about the rest? 
See, our plans, they're all about our own autonomy, how we can be dependent on no one. And God's plans for us are, no, no, I want you to seek dependence. That's what Jesus is teaching us here. So let's do a little compare and contrast. My plans are all about seeking autonomy. God's plans are all about me being dependent on him. And the reality is, I am dependent on him. So are you, so are all of us. But it's a matter of us seeking that dependence. It's a matter of us being aware of how dependent we are on God. That's why Jesus tells us when when he teaches us to pray that we're supposed to ask daily, give us today our daily bread, to be daily reminded that we live dependent on God. And that's what Jesus is telling us. God God knows what we need. He's gonna cover all of those needs. He provides for the birds of the air. He's gonna provide for you as well. He just wants us to acknowledge that. Then Jesus goes on about how God's plans are different than ours. In verse 29, he says this. He says, and do not set your heart on what you will eat or drink. Do not worry about it, for the pagan world runs after such things, and your father knows that you need them. God knows what you need. Then he says this. He says, but seek his kingdom and all these things will be given to you as well. See, the focus that Jesus is encouraging us to have is on the kingdom of God. And when he says that, he means the things that are true spiritually. What he means are the things that are eternal. And see, that's how our plans are different than God's plans. Our plans are all about what's temporal, all about the here and the now. God's plans, they're always about what is eternal. And God wants us to spend more of our focus and more of our energy paying attention to the eternal and not being so obsessed with the here and the now. Earlier this summer, I was doing a project in my backyard. We we took a deck off to put a concrete patio in. And uh, I wanted to save some money, so I decided to do the deck removal myself. So I set a plan. And my plan was I was going to take that deck off in one day. And uh, I did. And so we were nearing the end of this day. I'd been working hard all day. I was hot. I was sweaty. I was dirty. And I was almost done. And into our backyard walks our neighbors. Now, our neighbors are lovely people, but they, they don't really have a relationship with God yet. And Steph and I feel like part of the reason we live in that neighborhood is to be a witness to them and to help show God's love to them. And maybe someday they can meet Jesus. And so we try every opportunity we have to engage them in relationship, to engage them in conversation. Every opportunity, except the opportunity when I'm trying to finish up my project. And I was reflecting back on, on that encounter a few months ago when I was going through the message this weekend. I, I was polite to them and I was kind to them. But honestly, I, I didn't want to engage in relationship because I was focused on my plan. And, and here's just the insanity of that. I, I was focused on something that's a project that honestly, it's going to last for what, a decade, maybe two? But maybe I missed out on an opportunity to engage or deepen a relationship that could have an eternal impact. Folks, so often I'm distracted by what I'm doing in the here and the now that I miss what God wants me to be part of that has an eternal impact. How about you? And then Jesus wants us to understand one final thing about how God's plans are different from our plans. Look in verse 33. He says, sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourself that will not wear out, a treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes, to, comes near and no moth destroys. And then he says this, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. 
Now, when Jesus says, sell your possessions and give to the poor, understand that he's talking to a, a culture that is very agricultural. Uh, they, they don't have bank accounts that have access to cash. If they needed to, to give someone money, they would have to sell something. They'd have to sell livestock or, or, or sell some crops or sell a product that they made because that's how all of their assets were. So what Jesus is telling them and what Jesus is telling us is to be generous. Jesus is not saying that you shouldn't have any possessions and that, 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 that it's, that's wrong to own property. He's not saying that. What he's saying is, is be generous to other people. And why? Because God's plan, in contrast to our plan, is all about other people. See, my plans, they focus on me. God's plans, they focus on we. God's concern is that we extend and our blessing to other people around us, that we share with what we've been given because we ultimately recognize we're dependent on God for it. We pay attention to things that matter eternally and that involves people. So we need to look out for the concern of other people. And see, this is the issue with the man in the parable. The man in the parable was only focused about himself. Don't misunderstand the parable. Jesus is not saying storing up grain is wrong. Don't walk away from this message and think, well, God doesn't want me to save money. God doesn't want me to plan ahead. No, 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 no. God just says that when you do those things, where is your focus and where is your heart? And the reason I'm so confident in that is because there's another story of another person in scripture who also stored up grain. But that person wasn't called a fool. That person was called wise. And that person's name was Joseph. And the story of Joseph is that he was one of several brothers, 12 brothers, and his other brothers just hated him. They, they couldn't stand him. They were jealous of him because he was a visionary. He had all these dreams, and he, he could interpret visions, and his father loved him best. And so one day, they just wanted to get rid of him. So they sold him into slavery, and, and he was taken off as a young teenager into Egypt. And there he spent a season of his life that was just really difficult, a lot of ups and downs and a lot more downs than ups. But eventually, it, it winds him all the way through to a moment where he's standing in front of Pharaoh, who's the king of Egypt. Because Pharaoh has this dream that no one else can interpret, and God allows Joseph to interpret the dream. And what the dream meant was that Egypt was gonna have seven great years of harvest, followed by seven really difficult years of a severe famine. And so God empowers Joseph and gives him the wisdom to tell Pharaoh, save up all your grain in the seven good years so you'll be able to survive the famine. And Pharaoh says, why don't you do that for me? And so God allows Joseph to be in charge of, of basically all of Egypt, and he does that. And it, because that's what happened with the famine, the people in Egypt survived that horrible famine. And not only the people in Egypt, but all the nations that surrounded Egypt. And they went into Egypt to buy grain, and they lived. And, and many people were saved because of the planning of saving up that grain that God allowed Joseph to do. And some of the people that come into Egypt to buy grain are Joseph's brothers the same ones who sold him into slavery and had no idea about his new position in Egypt. And reflecting on all of this with his brothers, near the end of, of the story of Joseph, Joseph tells his brothers this in Genesis 50, 20. He says, listen, you intended to harm me. That was your plan. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. And see, that's what God's plans are always about. They're always about the saving of many lives. God's focus is on we, but our plans tend to focus on me. So is Jesus telling you not to plan? No, not at all. Jesus is saying it's okay to plan, but when you plan, don't just plan about yourself. 
Instead, you need to change the focus of your plans. That our plans need to be plans that are aware of God's plans. Listen, I'm a planner. I'm advocating, be a planner. But when you plan, plan with God's plans in mind. Allow God's plans to become your plans. So practically, how do we do that? Well, this story gives us three questions that I believe we can ask ourselves to help us evaluate our own planning to see if it's in line with God's plans. So real practically, here are the three questions that I wanna share with you. Questions to ask ourselves of our plans. The first question is this, is this plan going to increase my dependence on God? So if you have a new job opportunity to ask yourself, is this gonna cause me to be more dependent on God? Or if you're thinking about moving your housing situation, is it gonna increase my dependence on God? See, many of us, we have to recognize that we live daily dependent on God. And for several of us, it's easy to lose sight of that. Now, there are some of you right now who quite literally are very aware, you're acutely aware of how you live daily dependent on God because God daily provides for your physical needs. And if that's the case for you, do you know what Jesus says about you? Jesus says that you're blessed. You're blessed because you're aware, you acknowledge your dependence on God. Now, those of us that live our lives that may may not have that same sense of acute awareness about living every single day dependent on God for our most basic needs, we need to add spiritual disciplines in our life to remind ourselves of that because it's so easy for us to get distracted and get all consumed about our plans and the things that we wanna do. So how do you do that? What what are some ways to uh, focus on our dependence on God? There's two spiritual practices that you can put into your life to remind yourself you live dependent on God. One of those is giving. When we give, we give money back to God, not in order to earn God's favor and not to try to appease God, and we don't do it so that God will then return more blessings to us. That's not why we give. Why we give is to tell God we acknowledge that everything we have comes from him and we live dependent on him. And so we're returning a portion back to him. And often people will ask me, well, Kyle, how much should I be giving to God? And the answer is you should be giving enough that it requires you to live dependent on God. Not foolishly, I'm not telling you not to save, but what I'm telling you is that we need to be giving enough that it causes us to be reminded, oh yeah, I live dependent on God. And the second way, second discipline we can put into our life is how we spend our time. When God put the Ten Commandments together, one of the commandments he told us to do was to honor the Sabbath. The Sabbath is is the seventh day or or a special day of the week that's set aside to be a day of rest, a day not to work. And the reason God tells us to do that is because it requires that we live dependent on him. Because there's so much to do. Folks, we're busy people. There's a lot of pressure on us and a lot of things that we need to accomplish. But if we can get, if we we tell God, we're gonna trust God, we're gonna trust you to help us get everything done in six days. And on that seventh day, I'm gonna spend that day focused on you and on our relationship with you. It, It requires us to be reminded, oh, that's right. I live every single day dependent, not on myself, but on God. Okay, here's the second question we can ask ourselves: is does this invest in the eternal? And the eternal is always about relationships. If our plans are pulling us away from relationships, if your plans and the things that you wanna accomplish mean that you're not gonna be able to be in a life group, you're gonna be more disconnected from family, you're not gonna be able to engage with people that matter to you and have spiritual conversations with them, I just wanna encourage you, that may not be a wise plan. 
God's plan is always about us focusing on what is going to matter for eternity. So for you, who, what does that mean? You know, who, in whom do you need to be investing? Who in your life needs to know about Jesus and who can you intentionally spend time with? Far too often I, I notice that people, when it comes to having spiritual conversations with people, they never plan that. They never schedule that. They just kind of assume it's gonna happen by like running into their neighbor or like finding somebody out, out when, they're, when they're doing, uh, you know, whatever, running errands. No, 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 we have to be intentional to plan ahead to invest in relationships. So in whom are you planning to invest this fall? You should have an answer to that question. Jesus wants you to have an answer to that question. And let me just say this to those of us who are parents right now, if you have, if you have kids that are in your home, or grandkids that you're around, let me say this, the people that you need to intentionally be planning to invest in their lives are your kids or your grandkids. A couple months ago, we did a series called Family Matters, and in that series, we talked about the need to have family devotions on a regular basis. How's that going? Have you forgotten? Are you still doing them? Have you not started? Folks, if it's not on your schedule, if it's not on the calendar, if you have not planned to do it, it won't happen. You need to plan it and then make it happen because God is calling us, especially as parents, to invest in the spiritual lives of our children. It is our obligation to do that. So I want to encourage you to put that on your plans. Okay, finally, the third thing that we can ask ourselves when it comes to our plans is this. Will this be a blessing to others? Will this bless others above myself? Because that's always part of God's plans. God always wants us to bless other people even at the expense of ourselves. And here at Wooddale, we believe that every single one of us are created by God to serve others. And we think that each one of us are created uniquely to serve others. That's why several months ago, uh, we, we launched this assessment. It's called Find Your Purpose, and you can find that assessment here on our website, wooddale.org slash purpose. And the Find Your Purpose assessment, it takes just a few minutes to go through, but it's an opportunity for you to reflect on how God has uniquely wired you to serve other people. Have you taken this assessment yet? If not, take it. It takes a few minutes to do it. Have you met with a coach yet? If not, meet with a coach. Have you met with the coach? Have you taken your results? Have you done anything with it? If not, it's time to schedule time to intentionally serve others. So as we head into the fall, maybe it's time to sign up to be part of our kids' team. Maybe it's time to sign up to be part of our student ministry team. Maybe it's time to sign up to intentionally volunteer someplace out in the community. Maybe it's an opportunity for you to help those in need to help meet their physical needs by, by, by being out and, and helping with, with one of our global partners or local serving teams. Folks, it's an opportunity for us to say we have to be intentional and schedule time to bless other people. And I want to encourage you to add that into your plans for this fall. Now, let's just get to the heart of the issue here. When it comes to our own planning, we're worried that if we don't follow through on our plans, we're gonna miss out on something in life. At least that's what I worry about. And the reality is we might. But the reality is, if we don't follow God's plans, we're gonna miss out on what he has for us. And that is far more severe of a consequence. Do you know how you can trust God's plans for your life? You can trust God's plans for your life because we can trust Jesus, who's the one who teaches us this story and tells us this parable. 
Because Jesus gave to us everything that we need to thrive spiritually before we even knew that we needed it. God's plan, way in advance, way before we set any plan into action, was God's plan was to bring us salvation, was to bring us a restored relationship with him. God's plan was to bring us forgiveness and grace and mercy. God's plan was to give you and me hope. Folks, we live in that That was God's plan for our lives. We didn't do anything to earn it or deserve it, but it's been given to us. So the question is, what are we gonna do with it? In other words, we're like the man in the story. The abundant harvest that we've received, it wasn't a crop, it wasn't a bunch of uh, of success in terms of of our harvest, but, but the abundant blessing that God has given to us, more than we can handle, more than we can fit into our own barns in our lives, is God's grace and God's relationship with us. What are we gonna do with it? Are we gonna take our relationship with God and are we gonna stuff it away so we can focus on our own plans? Or are we gonna be willing to hold those plans loose, allow God to bust that butt that we hold on to, and be willing to participate actively in God's plans? So ultimately, it can result in the saving of many lives. Would you pray with me? Father, thank you for this opportunity to hear this parable from Jesus. And Lord, I I pray for those of us that are just so fixated right now on the plans that we have. Father, there may be a plan for this fall. It may be a plan for, for what we're wanting to accomplish in our professional life, in our family life, Lord, our own vision about what our life is supposed to look like. And Father, we've been holding those plans so tight. And Father, I just pray right now in this space that, that we might just silently in this, in this moment open our fist, open our hands to you as a way of saying, Father, we want your will in our lives to be done, your plans to happen, not my own. Father, you are not calling us to be people who don't plan. But Father, you don't want our plans to be a butt that holds us back. And so Father, I pray that right now in this space, we would give you permission in our lives to disrupt our plans so we can be part and participants in your plans. And it's in the name of Jesus we pray, amen.